0: Good morning. It's a joy once again to be able to lead you in God's Word. And so, as Kevin said, we start a new series today in the book of Two Kings, and we have a lot to get through. We've got chapters one, two, and three. So I'll try not to keep you more than two hours, okay? (laughs) But we we will try and read certainly chapter one, halfway through chapter 2, and then the first few verses of chapter 3. That's where I hope to go this morning. Well, two kings, yes, the title I've been given is, Is There No God or Prophet? And hopefully that theme will come through as we look at the text this morning. So Jewish tradition tells us that Jeremiah wrote the book of two kings, but many scholars believe that the, the identity of the author is actually unknown. And it used to be one book, but because it was so long, they split it into two books so they could copy it, certainly, on, onto scrolls and so on. The time of writing is about 561 to 538 BC. And the author focuses on teaching that the Lord required obedience by the kings. And that was to his law and his commands. And disobedience would mean exile. And you can read that in 1 Kings chapter 9. So as you know, history tells us that the majority of the kings of of Israel, certainly and Judah, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So at the end of 1 Kings chapter 22, we see the death of King Ahab. And then his son Ahaziah takes over as king. So what was Ahaziah like? Well, right at the book, the end of 1 Kings 22, it says, Ahaziah did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. And if you know anything about Ahab, we know he was the most wicked king ever of Israel. So can I ask you now, we're not going to put the text up, it's a long text. Can you turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 1? I'm going to read this together. 2 Kings chapter 1. And as we read this, I want us to focus on three verses where this theme comes through. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you're going off to consult Baal Zebub, the God of Ekron? And that'll be found in verse 3, 6, and 16. So beginning to read at verse 1, and I'm reading from the NIV translation. After Ahab's death, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now, Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and injured himself. So he sent messengers saying to them, Go and consult Baal's above the god of Ekron, to see if I will recover from this injury. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, Is it because there is no god in Israel that you are going off to consult Baal's above the god of Ekron? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. So Elijah went. When the messengers returned to the king, he asked them, Why have you come back? A man came to meet us, they replied. And he said to us, Go back to the king who sent you and tell him, This is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending messengers to consult Baals above the god of Ekron?'" Therefore, you will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. The king asked them, What kind of man was it who came to meet you and told you this? They replied, He had a garment of hair and a leather belt around his waist. The king said, That was Elijah the Tishbite. Then he sent Elijah a captain with his company of 50 men. The captain went up to Elijah, who was sitting on the top of a hill... And said to him, Man of God, the king says, Come down. Elijah answered the captain, If I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men. Then fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain and his men. At this, the king sent to Elijah another captain with his fifty men. The captain said to him, Man of God, This is what the king says, come down at once. If I am a man of God, Elijah replied, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Then the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed him and his 50 men. So the king sent a third captain with his 50 men. This third captain went up and fell on his knees before Elijah. Man of God, he begged, please have respect for my life and the lives of these 50 men, your servants. See, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed the first two captains and all their men. But now have respect for my life. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down with him to the king. He told the king, This is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel for you to consult that you have sent messengers to consult Baal's above the God of Ekron? Because you have done this, you will never leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Because Elijah had no son, Jerome succeeded him as king in the second year of Jerome, son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. As for all the other events of Ahaziah's reign and what he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? Amen. So two kings, one starts by telling us that Ahaziah was perhaps walking on his rooftop palace, and for some unknown reason, he had an accident. Maybe he put his foot through the lattice work, or maybe he fell through the balcony. Doesn't give us the details. But what we do, do know is that he's injured. And he's badly injured. Perhaps a broken leg, perhaps two broken legs. We don't know. Perhaps even paralyzed from a broken back. And I think most of us have been here, haven't we? For some, we've wondered, like Ahaziah, is this the end? One minute, all is going relatively well. You just go for a routine scan. You get the results back. It says you've got blocked arteries, you've got cancer. And you think to yourself, is this it? Is this the end? Or suddenly, one of your children has been involved in an accident. And you're wondering, is this it? Is this the end? Accidents happen to Christians and non Christians alike. Christians and non Christians get sick. We're no different to anybody else. And we start worrying and we start looking for answers and we're desperate sometimes for answers. And we're asking ourselves how will our families cope? Who's going to pay the children's education? Who's going to do the driving? Who's going to do the cooking? And we start to ask these kinds of questions in our spirit. King Ahaziah has exactly the same thoughts. And he's looking for instant answers. So he sent messengers to go to consult the, the Baal, Baal Zebub, the god of Ekron. The Ekron was a major city of, uh, of the Philistines. And this God, above, which literally means Lord of the Flies, was obviously known for uh, its power of some kind to foresee the future. Now, you know, when we're sick, it's natural that we want answers. And we go to the doctors. If the doctor can't answer or doesn't know where to go, he tell, sends us to a consultant or to a specialist. There's no, nothing wrong in that. But we We want answers. But we need to be careful where we go looking for answers. Where are we going first? Ahaziah did not go to the Lord God of Israel. Remember King Saul and the witch of Endor? That's where he went looking for answers. And we know what happened to him. He lost his kingdom. And the day after he he died. God's word is very clear that we mustn't seek the help of mediums and spiritists. The Levitical law tells us this very clearly. Ahaziah must have known the story of Saul. He must have known the laws. And yet he disobeyed them. And now we see he has to face the consequences. Ahaziah is making the same mistake. He didn't put his trust in the Lord. He didn't go to the God of Israel. He was seeking advice from another God. So God sends, he's very gracious, he sends an angel to Elijah. He tells him to intercept Ahaziah's messengers before they go to the God of Ekron. So Elijah goes and meets the king's messengers and delivers this message. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you're going off to consult Baal, Abub?" the god of Ekron. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, you will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. And after Elijah delivered God's message to them, the messengers report back to the king. And You can imagine the king being furious. Who was this man? And they say, he was Elijah. And the king sends these 50 soldiers and a captain to bring him in. And the captain says, if you're a man of God, come down with us. And Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, may fire consume you and all your men. And what do we find? We find 50 plus one, the captain, charred soldiers like toast on the ground. Ahaziah sends another 50 with another captain. And he says, man of God, come down. Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and all your men. Fire comes down from heaven. Now we have 100 plus two dead captains toasted on the ground. Let me pause here. Let me ask you some simple questions. Let's test your intelligence, okay? Any idea what this word means? Cyberphobia. Do we know what phobia means? means fear, yes. Cyber, IT, yes. It's the fear of computers. I wonder how many of you have that fear. What about ecclesiophobia? Well, I've given you the answer. <laughs> oh. I hope they don't come in t- too. <coughs> okay, let me, before I put the next one on, Lunaphobia. Lunaphobia. Fear of the moon, chromatophobia, chromatophobia, it is the fear of money, (laughs) and here's my favorite, it's called arachibotirophobia. Arachibutyrophobia. Anyone know what this one is? It is the fear of peanut butter being stuck to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> and last one, this one, metathesiophobia. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Metathesiophobia. It is the fear of change. Now hold that in your mind. The question I want to ask this morning is do we really, really believe prayer can change things? Yes? Really? Do we believe in intercession? Do we believe that prayer can change people, can change circumstances, it can change situations? See, sometimes I'm not so sure, because I go on based on my own life. See, Sometimes I'm fearful of change, I don't like change, and if I'm really praying for change, it brings about change, and I'm fearful sometimes. For some, we see prayer as the last resort. We do a lot of wishing and hoping, but not really interceding with the Lord. You know, when we see someone who's struggling, I often ask, as I did recently, just a couple of weeks ago, I remember it clearly, can I help you? And the friend said, no, there's nothing you can really do. And I found myself saying, At least I can pray for you. Really, Wayne? Is that the least you can do? Or is it the most you can do? Prayer is the most we can do. It is much more than a last option, isn't it? And I hope we'll be reminded of that as we go through 1 Kings, chapters 1, 2, and 3. The same theme. I hope we don't have the fear of change this morning. Going back back to our story, the last captain who came to Elijah came with reverence for God and respect for God. They came asking for mercy and grace. They knew they had little choice but to, to do what the king had commanded. So just as this final captain with this army of 50 came to Elijah with a humble and contrite Heart, contrite spirit, he asked for mercy and forgiveness. We must learn to do the same. We must learn to go to God first of all, with all our difficulties and struggles and problems and all our questions. After all, he is the one who can answer. So let me go back to that important question. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you're going off to consult Baal's above the God of Ekron? So, could God be asking the same question of us this morning? Am I turning to other places before turning to God in prayer? Wayne! Is it because there's no God in your life that you seek help elsewhere? Listen, those of you who are in leadership positions, where do you go to first for help? Whether you're in the church, in business, in an office, in the workplace? Is it the financial books? Is it Google? Where do we go first? I'm not saying these things are wrong, but where is your first place that you go to for help? Is there no God in your life that you have to turn to all these other things before you turn to me in prayer, says God? Husbands, wives, is he perhaps asking you the same question? You're perhaps feeling Lonely, feeling low. Um, You know something has to change in your marriage uh, if it's to stay healthy and and to grow. And so you turn to Google, you turn to self-help books, you turn to spiritual retreats and conferences. And God is saying, is there no God in your life or in your marriage that you have to turn to all these other things before you turn to me, Again, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm talking about priorities here. These are good things. Students, what about you? Perhaps you're feeling lonely at school, few friends, grades recently have been poor, and you're struggling. Where are you turning to first? Is it to parents, to teachers, to Google? And the Lord is saying, is there no God in your life that you turn to all these other things before you turn to me? So I believe this message is important for all of us. For those of us who are retired, we look to money first to solve some of our problems. Those of us just in the normal workplace trying to get through life. And we have stresses and we're busy. And we're so busy that we forget To consult God first. And he says to us, is there no God in your life that you go after all these other things first before you consult me? See, we have a great God, don't we? Who knows the past. He knows the present. And he knows the future. So keep those thoughts. Just hold them as we now go into 2 Kings chapter 2. And 2 Kings chapter 2 is a very famous passage. It's to do with Elijah uh, going up to heaven in a chariot of fire. It's also the story of Elisha. Now, my pronunciation of Elijah and Elisha is very close. So for Elisha, I'm going to say Elisha, just so you know who I'm talking about in the story. But, but we're going to read together uh, the first 15, 16 verses, and then we'll see how time goes. So turn again in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. If you want to focus first, it's this verse 14. This is where I want us to focus our attention on. So he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Okay, beginning at verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives, And as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets of Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, Surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. And Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them Walked on. Verse 7. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Luke, they said, we, your servants, have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. But they persisted until he was too embarrassed to refuse. So he said to them, send them. And they sent 50 men who searched for three days, but did not find him. When they returned to Elisha, who was staying in Jericho, he said to them, Didn't I tell you not to go? Okay, let's stop there. Let me ask you another question. Why are you here this morning? Answer that in your own uh, spirit. Why are you really here this morning? What was your motivation for getting up? Was it truly to come and worship? You see, sometimes I come to church, and I sit usually in this area, and we start off with singing and worship. And sometimes I struggle to enter into the spirit of worship. And I tell myself, oh, the songs are too highly pitched. I can't sing. And then when we sing some hymns, I'm fervent. I can sing them because they're at a lower voice. But then I think half the other church are not singing because they like the, the newer songs. And I have to remind myself why I come to church. And I have to offer a sacrifice of praise. It might not be my taste. And the important thing is I need to learn not to switch off, which I'm guilty of like many of you here, I'm sure. So how is church for you just now? Is it dull? Is it boring? Is it just a routine thing that you you do every week because you want to meet friends? One of my smaller passions, if you like, is running, And I used to run when we lived in Africa, the the, the desert. Then, when I got back to Scotland, I learned to run in the hills and the mountains. I enjoyed it so much, I became a Burford runner and went out in the snow, ran races, Burford. And I just loved the excitement of, of that running. And then I came to Singapore in 2011. Well, it was hot, it was humid. And Bucket Timah Hill was the only friend I had. (laughs) Because everywhere else was flat. And I struggled for the first two years to enjoy running. I endured it. Because I'm a runner, I have to go. I have to run. And I have to keep fit. But you know, I really wasn't enjoying it. Until I joined a running club, and had others hold me accountable, and help me and encourage me along the way. And it's the same for our Christian lives. You know, as we go through Christian lives, things slow down. Our first love for God, we say, wanes or dissipates because of routine and, and apathy often. Let me ask you again, why are you here? Is it out of a sense of obligation? Or, you know, have you really come to worship this morning and to hear God. We see we need to keep that sense of adventure alive in our lives, desiring more. In 2 Kings chapter 2, we see Elisha wasn't happy to settle for the ordinary. He wanted more. He wanted to grow. When Elijah asked Elisha what he wanted, he said he wanted a double portion of Elijah's spirit In other words, he wanted even more than Elijah. Wow! More than Elijah. Man, Elijah, that's a hard thing to grant, but if you see me go, it's yours. Are we prepared to dream like Elisha? Desiring more? Asking God to, yeah, to to double our experience of him. If You could ask God for anything today. What would you ask him for? I'm not talking about material possessions. Not talking about money. But the spiritual realm. What would your life look like if you asked for a double portion of love? To love others. What about joy and peace? Patience. Kindness. What would your life look like to have a double portion of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? What would your life look like if you asked, Lord, give me a double portion of, of prayer, a of, of double portion of wanting and desiring to worship you, a double portion of wanting to witness and talk to others about you? What would our lives look like? See, Elisha received what he asked for. Well, after Elijah had been taken up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elisha, he got ready and went back to the River Jordan. And he asked, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Well, what did he mean by that question? Listen, he meant he wanted to know the God that Elijah had known. He had seen how Elijah... Had prayed for no rain and the rain had stopped. He prayed for rain and the rain came. He prayed for fire from heaven to consume a water, all an altar filled with water. Elisha would have known how the ravens Elijah and he wanted to know the God of Elijah. He wasn't necessarily following this man, he wanted to know the God of Elijah Elisha knew there was more than just following this man or there was more to being a Christian than just following someone he wanted to know the God of Elijah I have that same question this week as I prepared, Wayne where is the Lord God of Elijah can you ask that where is he You see, some of us think perhaps God's power has gone into retirement, or he's had a power failure, because we don't really believe. I look at this, the projector and these lights. The only place where this projector will work is for it to be branched, is to be plugged into the power socket. If you unplug it and plug it into a book about electricity, will it work? No, there's only one place where that projector is going to work, and that's for it to be branched, to be plugged into the power socket. And there's only one place where you and I can be strong and know the power of God, and that's to be branched into the vine, into Jesus Christ. To have that relationship with him, walking with him and talking with him, taking our hopes and our struggles and our fears and our dreams to him, getting down on our knees and interceding and asking For His power to be revealed through us, He's not had a power failure, as some of us think. You see, we still have an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, omniscient omniscient God. Yes, who's on that throne, and He is alive today. And He says, "Do we really believe in the power of prayer?" Will we pray? Will we stay branched to him in that vine? Again, I had to ask myself this week, what's God doing in my life just now? I often tell my testimony of 30 years ago or longer, but what about up-to-date testimonies of what God is doing? I was challenged we had a worker, one of our workers, from uh, China coming to the office this week. She brought one of the believers and she talked about the power of God working in and through her, going through a translator to us. And I thought to myself, wow, God's power is still available. He's still healing people. He's still healing the sick. And sometimes, you see, I've grown too comfortable. Wayne, he said, the Lord says to me, where is the Lord God of Elijah. And the Lord says to me, Wayne, he's still available today. He's still there. And I think sometimes I lose sight of him. Sometimes you lose sight of him. And we settle for a comfortable lifestyle. Do we want God's power? Will we ask for it? And the last question is, are we prepared to pay the price that double portion because it will change things it will change our lives it will change the way we interact with others and our time of things you know I look at the moon the moon by itself has no capacity to shine it's just a rock in orbit around the earth what it does it reflects the sun back to earth and we see the beauty of the moon particularly at night time And you and I don't have any capacity within ourselves to shine. But when we look at Jesus, we're in touch with him, conversing with him, his light shines through us and others see a difference in us. Others see Christ in us. By ourselves, we have no capacity to shine, but with Christ as our source, reflecting his radiant glory, others see the beauty of him through our lives. Let's move on a little bit further to 2 Kings chapter 3. We're doing okay for time, okay. And we're going to focus on verse 11. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire, Of the Lord. So let's pick up our reading again, 2 Kings chapter 3. And we're going to start reading at verse 1. Jerome, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned 12 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but not as his father and mother had done. He got rid of the sacred stone of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them. Now Mesha, king of Moab, raised sheep, and he had to pay the king of Israel a tribute of 100,000 lambs and the wool of a 100,000 rams. But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So at that time, King Jerome set out from Samaria and mobilized all Israel. He also sent this message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? I will go with you, he replied. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. By what route shall we attack, he asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? Let's just take stock here. Jerome is now the, the king of Israel, and the king of Moab has decided to rebel against Israel, which meant for Israel they would get no longer receive lambs or, or wool. So, Jerome gets in touch with Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and also the king of Edom. And then they form their armies together. And they go out as three kings with all their armies formed together. Now, you can picture this. It was hot. It was dry. And after seven days of marching around, they ran out of water. And Jerome cries out, what? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? You see what's happening here? Jerome is blaming God. However, we don't see that he's he's been in touch with God, he hasn't prayed to God, he hasn't asked God about the idea, should he go to war? He's just done his own thing. Listen, are we any different? How often do we make choices, rash decisions? We don't ask God's advice. And then when things start to go wrong, we blame him. In verse 11, we see someone who knows what to do. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, asks whether there is a prophet. And one of the officers says, well, in fact, yes, Elisha, he's, he's, in the, he's in our ranks. Joseph has said, let's, let's go and see him. Let's go. So they go off to see him. Let's pick up the story again, verse 13. Elisha's response, he said, Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. Wow. Basically, he's saying, why come and run to the Lord now? Isn't it a bit late? No, the king of Israel answered, because it, it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now bring me a harpist. Wow. You know, I think, what, what a response. What a response. In effect, this is what God says to us. If it wasn't for my son, Jesus, I wouldn't even look at you. Instead, I would punish you for your sins. It's only because of Jesus that God listens to our prayers. That God forgives us. You see, if we think we can approach God uh, without Jesus, we have no idea. We all we haven't really grasped just how serious and terrible sin is. We need Jesus. Well, listen. You know, we don't have time to read the rest of the story, but I want you to read it, and you will see. Read it this afternoon. God does deliver Moab into the king's hands. And God does provide water. He didn't have to, but he did. Jerome blamed God. And God didn't have to help him, but he did. And it's the same with us. You know, God forgives us. He doesn't have to, but he does. Listen, we don't want to be like King Jerome, blaming God for our problems. Instead, we need to admit and confess our sins and ask him to forgive us. So I'm going to invite the uh, Crystal and the musicians, if they could come forward, And I want us to finish with that song we started with. This is amazing grace. It's only by grace. It's only because of God's love for us that we can approach him. Can I just have the last slide on? There's just a few questions. I want you to look at and just pause for reflection. Again, do we really believe... Prayer changes things. I hope you say yes. And want that desire to pray more. Again, ask yourself are we turning to other gods before we turn to God in prayer? If you could ask God for one thing today, what would it be? What would it be? Where is the God of Elijah? Well, He's right here, He's amongst us. He hasn't had a power failure. And it's only because of Jesus that we can approach the throne of grace. It's all about amazing grace.
1: Breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole
0: Serves all the praise and the glory. Father, we bow in your presence and we say thank you for this amazing grace, for this amazing love that you show us day in, day out. And we confess our sins before you and say sorry for not seeking you first in our lives. Oh Father, by your Spirit, will you continue to work in our hearts? Will you continue to speak to us as we journey through today with you, ever mindful of you and situations? Help us to pray and to intercede, knowing and believing that you will change things, and you will re- continue to reveal your power through and through us. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us, and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen.